Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan. But first, I just want to talk about our new Patreon for the show. If you want to support us, I've been paying for this out of pocket for about two years now since we started. And you can just go to our Instagram page, at BatFanAddict, click on the link in the bio, or visit patreon.com slash BatFanAddict. That's the best way to support us and keep the show free from advertisements so we don't interrupt the format and the flow of conversation. Now, we are going to continue the Harley Quinn theme with one of my favorite shows on TV, period. It started on the DC Universe, is now on HBO Max. This is Kaylee Cuoco in Harley Quinn. Not to confuse anyone, but this one is called Harley Quinn. (laughs) 2019, this uh, aired originally on the DC Universe app, now on HBO Max. We are reviewing... Season 1, Episodes 1 through 4. This is written by showrunners Dean Laurie, Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, as well as Jane Becker and Des Dweck, who, because, again, we're covering four episodes here, but the three uh, primary creatives on the series are Dean, Justin, and Patrick. Directed by Juan Jose Meza Leon, Cecilia Aronovich, and Haiyang Zhang. The series stars Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn, Lake Bell as Poison Ivy, Alan Tudyk, Tony Hale, Jason Alexander, J.B. Smoove, Jim Rash, Christopher Maloney as a very fucked up Jim Gordon, (laughs) Ron Funches, who is brilliantly playing himself kind of as King Shark, James Adamian as Bane, Wayne Knight, and of course as Batman, Diedrich Bader. What a cast. <laughs> wow. Initial thoughts on Harley Quinn, the animated series. I really liked it. The way that the very first episode starts off with, like extreme violence. Yeah, yeah. Just like my fellow whites and just <laughs> just like just ripping on the like upper echelon of Caucasian males and like <laughs> just how much they're spoofing themselves. Like Hang on, but this glorious pile of money and stuff like it. Every- it's funny because I didn't even read that as much as like specific commentary, other than just like that's funny because it's true, you know. Like it's jabs at people who will probably never watch this cartoon, but I love it. <laughs> I mean, everything is right off the bat. They're like Harley's first line on the show is "Party's over, you pieces of shit. This is my money now, so back the fuck off." Yeah, and. That does an excellent job of. We've talked about how, like, you know, the first time you see a villain, he does some horrible shit that's irrelevant to the rest of the story sometimes, but you just got to see how bad he is so that later when he comes back. And this one is like, this is our type of humor. Turn it off if you're not interested, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like 30 I seconds. I watched in. the first 20 minutes with my kids, and boy, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when, when we went to see Ted, a mother and father. And two children walk in and sat in the row in front of us, and we were like, "Oh no, <laughs> what's going to be doing?" And then the movie starts, and the first couple like off-color things that you can see them kind of look at each other a little bit, and I'm like, "They don't know." 
You just saw the teddy bear. And then like who, the who bomb comes out and, and when Ted starts saying horrible shit, they're like, okay, let's get him out of here. Like we watched this in slow motion as it occurred, and this show does not allow for any confusion. Yeah, no one would accidentally stumble on it. I don't understand how that scenario plays out. Like, what do you watch television without the volume on and you just saw like Mark Wahlberg and a teddy bear and decided that you would well, go I mean, they to gotta it. make the commercials G-rated so I mean who knows what they saw and they're like oh man I can't wait to see a movie these kids have been ruining everything and finally a movie we can all watch together Date night. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> family night Ben initial reaction there the dialogue was part of it but for me the thing that really like set it off was just that like somebody she hits in the leg with the hammer and just like yeah the first yeah. person to, to speak to her really to disagree gets his leg just shattered. Yeah, yeah, and it's it kicks off a trend of multiple extreme leg traumas that she's like. Yeah, that's yeah. Her, always her first go to yeah. is to break someone's knee or shatter their shin. Or well, she does like that in Birds of Prey too, in the the evidence room scene where, yeah, this guy gets she like whacks him, breaks his arm or something into the window of a car so he's kind of stuck, and then she kneecaps him while he's already debilitated, just like. Taking no chances with you fuckers. This is maybe not a Harley that it's going to get like a great heartwarming redemption saga, <laughs> but maybe, maybe in this universe, You'd be surprised. Yes. Yeah. You'd be surprised they do squeeze a little bit of heart in there as I, it goes. I love all this, like, they just present stuff like right off the bat and the conflict with Joker and Harley is clear in like the first two minutes. And, yes. you know, here we're talking about just exploring like different territories. Mm-hmm. For characters, like it's hard to even picture these like characters in an everyday. Everything that we see from them is like wild and fantastic. They're and, on a heist. Yeah, They're crazy capers yeah. and and huge yeah. adventures. But it, it's like this little peek into their like daily life almost. So this is them bickering as like an old married couple or something. <laughs> yeah. And like the weird nagging conflicts that grow within people. You know, when you haven't talked about stuff or something, and Joker doesn't see that he's overstepping and taking the limelight and doesn't understand why she would care at all and yeah. you know she just wants a piece of the pie and to be equals or something at least and so let, let me uh, introduce here what what's actually happening we'll set the scene so there's all these rich guys on a yacht with a pyramid of cash just like seven feet tall or something <laughs> like that and she runs in to rob them and like ben said just viciously hammers this dude there's you know, blood and screaming to the point where it's over her dialogue and she has to stop talking and wait for him to finish screaming. Then the host rips off his own face and it's the Joker. And then he gasses everyone and like totally steals her thunder. So that's the setup for this bicker. It's like, you're always fucking stepping on my toes, you know? And, and they are just slaughtering people with machine guns and a flamethrower and murdering everyone in sight while having like a sort of sincere argument and this is the plot of the entire first season and the fact that they set it up so well and make it so fucking funny i was instantly hooked when i first saw this i was like oh this this is for me this is great like i can't wait for more and the fact that we've had to wait so long for season three i'm like please the whole thing Reminds me a lot of Venture Brothers. Uh, yeah. Both the style of the animation, also the speed of the animation, the speed at which, at which, at which with, 
the speed that things happen. Waff. <laughs> <laughs> the speed at which these <laughs> scenes occur. It's a simple way. The dialogue type, the type of yeah. humor, the way they make fun of her, the way they pick at each other, really just reminds me of uh, Venture Brothers. And it's got a That's little right. Archer, a little Family Guy, a lot of little things in there. I, I was trying to like mentally track like the speed of these conversations and like the follow ups and like the buried lines and stuff. Like it became a style at some point, but I can't recall like exactly when. In other things, you'd have people like. Present punchline, give appropriate timing, but it's just a style in animated stuff. In this, there's almost like no reactions. There's just more boom, jokes, bam, more yeah. jokes, or, and more hits for sure. And, a, and a lot of this, like speed of delivery, requires a lot of listening because yeah, you can't be spacing out for a, like, yeah. If I space out or check my phone while I watch this rewind. show, I yeah, constantly yeah. have to rewind yeah. it. Yeah, like lines are just instantly swallowed, and I'm thinking of the. Uh, Bar mitzvah and Bane like says something and somebody cuts him down and Bane's like, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then stuff just and then it just moves on, you know, like we're not dwelling here. There's no but, laugh track. There's no pause for a beat. It's like no, you're getting an extra joke for every laugh that we cut. Yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like when you watch a, a stand up comedian say the funny joke and then he will have to wait for the audience to finish, mm-hmm. they'd give you no chance to no. catch your breath. Yeah, yeah. You know. There's almost no room for for laughter even, but I don't know when it became, because it's the things that are meant to be jokes Yeah, sometimes are less funny to me as the subtle things that you could really easily miss. Mm-hmm. And I, Especially on like repeat viewings, those are the ones that make you laugh harder because like, oh, I didn't catch that before. Yeah, totally. C-Lab is like that, and I don't know when it came to be a thing, but before things were allowed like their appropriate space and this is how people would have a standard conversation and now it's like bah, boom, bah, boom, we, boom. you say see that i mean adult swim era in general i think is the good yeah, part because like uh, aqua kind of feels like this too yeah like, part of the weirdness became the thing and yeah yeah so batman shows up on the yacht here and joker just i wrote throws her under the bus but he almost throws her to him and jumps onto a submarine and is like i'll break you out my love i swear well, maybe not tonight. I yeah. have plans, but soon, you know, mm. and then cuts to uh, Batman turning her over to Gordon. And I want to know what you guys think, because this was the hardest part of the show for me to digest, because the show is so ridiculous and it fits every character so well, I think, except Gordon is a man who is not beaten down, but like hanging by a thread. Yeah. But it's so alarmingly different. I mean, hanging by a thread is a good way of saying it. I think that it tracks well. I could see someone, I don't know who out there is a big Damien fan, but I could see (laughs) if someone was a big Damien fan looking at the way he's characterized in this later and going like, oh, he's supposed to be like a badass assassin. And he. I love how they do that. It's the Mm, same vibe of like, let's take something unexpected about this character that still kind of fits Mm -hmm. and then just turn it all the way up. And it's like, Gordon is overwhelmed and run down, and he's just... And after just years of this, he's yeah. just a shell of a man, he's and he's insane desperate. people doing their insane things. He can never get a lid on it. Yeah. yeah. And Christopher Maloney plays unhinged people perfectly. He just feels like he's ready to explode. Yeah, it's very, very well done, but it was like, at first, just the biggest... Because Harley's nuts, Joker's nuts, they're super violent, you know? Batman's kind of Batman. Putting the R-rated twist on it totally works. Yeah, Batman is more or less himself. I, um, I think what's funny is that everything else makes 
Batman look like sillier. It's like an odd mirror for Batman, even if he is just being himself. Uh, you know, she's like, "Hey, fucks bats," and he's like, "No." Like all of a sudden, <laughs> he he just now instead now instead of like the same no now seems like defensive or something like now you seem vulnerable for some it's, reason it's like 40 years of comics and movies being no, like don't. you're just as fucked up as everyone else the show does it's a like, better job no. of showing that mm-hmm. up than no like, yeah this man lives in chaos yeah. i think gordon is hilarious yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah no, like nothing about it just like unexpected and totally fine with it i would love to bring us back to the show and see where uh the, there's a part of season two that's particularly interesting for gordon that I, I would really like to show you guys i saw an interview with the creators just as i was researching this episode they talked about gordon they're like well could a guy even endure all of this shit <laughs> he's just a normal man you know, <laughs> how would a person be if mm-hmm. that's this was their constant life and i, I was just thinking like you know hmm. i worked a job once where it was just worse and worse every day for years and years and yeah, but up the stakes in a yeah. uber metropolis, so crippling your daughter and kidnapping the mayor. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also Blowing like buildings. Batman saving the day every time, and not you. You know, <laughs> like the way he's so needy toward Batman too is very on brand for how ineffective the cops are in Gotham. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much he really needs him, but literally needs him as a confidant too, and like. You want to come to my birthday party? You know, just like that kind of desperation. I love that kind of like robot chicken maybe where these guys who are like real fans of this thing probably this whole time have been like, oh man, if I ever got my hands on that property, (laughs) like this is what I would do. And so watching it, like not only is it fun and funny, but yeah. I feel like I'm having a better time because the creators are having a really good time. Oh, yeah. Like, like, this has got to be so fun Yeah, to make. they got cut loose on this thing. And it's not like taking a thing and just making a joke about it where it has no place. It's like or trying to make these things funny when they have no place being funny. But it's they know the characters so thoroughly that everything is still, aside from, say, Gordon being, but that's just a different take. Like, it is Gordon. It's yeah. just Dialed a different, up. yeah. And so, but they know all these characters so well that they're like, here's this alternate perspective that like ha- is previously unexplored. Robot chicken or in the same vein, like the family guy Star Wars. Totally. Yeah, like, and actually, I think the best example here is Lego Batman which is a movie that I want to do for season three. I fucking hated that movie because it does not come through. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a fun conversation. It does not come through with the same reverence for the characters. It's almost like we talked about in, in the first White Knight with Neo Joker. It's like they're kind of making her sympathetic and championing her a little bit. But every other character is so derisive and shits on her and makes fun of her. I'm like, okay, so you you hate her though. And that's how I felt with Lego Batman is that like you're taking these crazy exaggerations like we're seeing on this show, but just to make fun of them sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this one feels so much more just like, oh man, you know, it'd be super fun. Mm-hmm. She does this thing. Well, how about that? You know, just like they're... They're just sitting there throwing all this shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, how far can we take it? What's the craziest fucking Harley shit we can come up with? And that just, it reads way different to me. Well, the rules of the universe are still kind of the same. Yeah. 
Batman is still trying to stop these criminals doing criminal stuff. And mm-hmm. despite what she's saying about him, he's fairly grounded by comparison to everyone else. Yeah. It's not the, I know this is dumb. I know this thing exactly. is Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the vibe of like, these fucking stupid comic books, you know, like you had said before. I only watch sad dramas about cancer patients. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so six months later, Harley is in prison, still waiting for Joker every day. And Ivy is trying to be her voice of reason and tell her the truth about, like, this dude doesn't fucking care about you. He's not coming. She goes, Calendar Man, how long has she been waiting? And he's like, uh, six months to blah, blah, blah. And his wife, who's, uh, they're sitting in the visitation area of the prison, she's like, oh, so you remember porn clowns incarceration date, but not your own son's birthday? Which... Is a brilliant gag for Calendar Man for getting his own son's birth or like his anniversary or something. That yeah, from you know the person who uh, like don't take the line too far. Like yes. stop, stop it where it presently is. Uh-huh. This yep. does the opposite, but it does it really good. Where yeah. I don't think I've run into a scenario where I was like, hey, you should have stopped that already. Because my favorite line from that exact same scene is like kid has a plant gift and they're like oh you fucking idiot and, you know and, like slap the thing out and and like no no plants buy poison ivy and then one of the random security guards is like no wonder your dad doesn't remember your birthday <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you dumbass yeah it's the quality of the writing yeah like they're, yes they're they're very funny like, yeah. yeah ripping on kids in vulnerable moments is hilarious and like sort of funny and doing it over and over doesn't work you yeah. have to be really funny yeah they're very better. sharp and mm. i think it's a testament to the three showrunners all co-writing this first episode as like we're kind of come out swinging mm-hmm. you know like there was just no room for filler in this at all uh, quickly we cut to six months after that uh riddler shit out an orange seed they said and poison ivy is fucking just ripping apart the prison with her vines why would you have to crap out the orange seed if it already existed in the orange and if you had the orange to eat you could have used the seeds before you pooped to make out. a the joke okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right just yeah. uh, i was like this i mean i was thinking because sense. like a tree or a plant i've never seen her just make like fucking you angry could, peaches you or something to eat the seed for that you to know work. <laughs> you could just take the seed out of the orange oh yeah, 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 yeah the seeds already sense. exist you, can, you don't have to poop it out this is one of those ones that does not give you any time to think about these questions uh, yeah. it just keeps moving um so harley wakes up at ivy's apartment and she had basically just broken her out against her will like bitch you need to stop waiting for this guy like we need to make a change we meet frank the plant Audrey played by J.B. Smoove. Yeah, it's a, feed me. Yeah, feed me, Seymour. <laughs> we get a number of cast members from the Curb Your Enthusiasm team, and J.B. is one of the best. She's like, what happened to that neighbor kid that's supposed to water my plants? And he, like, vomits up his skeleton, and she's like, oh, that's great. Like, now his parents are going to come blah, blah, and barf <laughs> up their skeletons <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, yeah. Chances are slim. <laughs> um, Ivy reminds Harley that she's a brilliant psychiatrist and kind of shows her this old picture of herself, you know, uh, as Harleen in the doctor's code. And, and she has this great hallucination where the picture is talking to her. And Ivy kind of like puts her face in between them like, The picture is talking to you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> okay, well. She has her old self diagnose her current self. It's like, oh, yeah, classic abusive codependency. You just got to show her there's no future with him, and she needs to end it and find her own identity, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we're literally spelling out the whole plot of the first mm. season. But again, in a very entertaining way. It's like Tarantino has said, 
the best way to deliver exposition like in a conversation that's so entertaining that the audience doesn't realize they're just being fed exposition, you know? And I thought that was good because it's acknowledging, okay, yeah, this is the Harley we know with the same origin and, and she's super smart. But again, she has this giant blind spot. And so even subconsciously, she knows how fucked up this is. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Harley stories of her coming into her own, breaking that codependency, figuring it out. And this is one of my favorite ones, honestly. It's... It's doing what we've seen, but in just the most entertaining way possible. Yeah, this is, it's just a really fun way to do it. Yeah. I don't think we get this kind of humor in the mainstream comics. Yeah. That's not a parody made by someone else in a more like critical way of like, this thing's stupid. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. She should fucking Batman get out of here. Batman and gay. They sleep with each other. Get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're like, why would she be with the Joker? You know, and, and this does a really great job of like, right after this, she, storms in on the Joker's lair and gets in his face and I'm going to fucking leave you. He just immediately goes reverse psychology of like, oh, thank God. Like, I couldn't wait to get rid of you and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, what, what the fuck? You know, and immediately comes back mm-hmm. um, and right all over each other again. And I, it's just I, like, I, we're going to need some privacy. It's going to get real gross real fast. <laughs> I love that, like, the clarity in which Ivy sees yeah, you know, like she's just standing right outside their conversation. <laughs> like it's another one of those scenarios where you have to be listening to multiple things because that's how they layer it. Like they're having a conversation, and then Ivy is also like, "Oh God, no! Like, no, don't! Yeah. Like, you know, this is stupid. She's right? the like, audience. Please, oh, that, yeah. what's going on right now? Yeah, uh, or I <laughs> like." Joker shoots that guy and then he's on the ground like, oh, she's going to dump you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Like, shut up, goon. Actually, what you just said about Ivy's role. I love her in this. We just discussed the brief Ivy cameo in White Knight Harley and she's used in the same exact purpose there but only just for one scene where in this it's like, this bitch will not listen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like she's the constant voice of reason in trying to gradually unlock her fucking brain from this <laughs> prison <laughs> the the more things i see like this I, I, I can't remember when i said this in the past but i remember having an episode where i was like you know aside from murdering all these people they don't really seem like a bad guy that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that. yeah, yeah that's how i feel about ivy now is like if they were just left alone yeah. and if she didn't have some whole like uh save the planet at the expense of humans agenda mm-hmm. she's awesome and then in this, uh, yeah, she seems like she's calm and caring. But she's one of the villains that like Batman will be like, mm, I see what you're doing. I understand. But she's not like a just she punch takes you in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Ivy oftentimes will self-isolate and try to like remove herself from shit. Cause she, she just knows that she's not like at harmony with people. Yeah. Like I'm going to fucking just... Cut out. I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to mind my own business. But, like, if you fuckers step on my toes, like, it's on. She, she, and she has that uh, before the, the picture frame. She's like, you helped me. She's like, I, I can hang out with people now without throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> like, big steps. <laughs> so after this, uh, Riddler is on TV or making headlines or whatever that he has some riddle that's so funny it's going to make people's heads explode literally and <laughs> joker is super jealous and this is one of my favorite jokes of the whole season he's like the riddler his whole shtick is being the world's most indirect asshole <laughs> <laughs> now that 
is what we just accused other writers of doing in that they're denigrating a character's history. And the idea of the character. But I fully agree. Mm. <laughs> so so it, it works because you're not you're not really kicking someone that I have a lot of reverence for. You're kicking someone who I feel like was done really well way back in the day and has become a parody of himself. More or less. And it's just a different perspective on the same thing. The the Riddler thinks that what he's doing is awesome and hilarious and he loves it and somebody else thinks it that just it's just, just, like yeah, it's just a him. waste of time. I'm the Joker. You'll never believe what I did this time. I kidnapped a bunch of people and I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no surprise there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Batman and Harley bust in on Riddler's lair at the same exact time. They're sort of like, what are you fucking... Okay, anyway... And Riddler catches both of them in these giant orbs, and they're each over like a trap door of acid, like Batman Forever. Yes, and the influence <laughs> is so strong. Evan's oh very happy. Yeah, they immediately interrupt him because he's doing the big indirect Riddler speech <laughs> thing that they were just making fun of, and he's like, "And I will dangle you above these acid. It's acid, right? You know." Mm. And they both just kind of interrupt him repeatedly, and I love it. The gimmick here is not that batman has to choose between meridian chase and robin but it's that joker has to choose between harley and batman and of course he doesn't want riddler to get credit for killing him so he saves batman i actually like his it's very short and this is a silly series but i actually like his little flip and he has like a good oh well he has a good chuckle and then even Harley's like, even for you, that's a whole lot of maniacal laughter. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but it makes me think of, like, in Lord of the Rings, you have these moments where, like, Bilbo needs to get rid of the ring, and he's like, no, like, why shouldn't, why, I? Why shouldn't <laughs> I keep it? You know, and mm-hmm. you're not seeing this massive conflict unfold, but just in that moment, like, his priorities are very obvious, and I just like the way that, uh, like, here's here's the truth right here, like, he doesn't really care about you at all, you yeah. know, and so he's not really conflicted. It's just and again, it's staring off of the very last scene of like her photo talking to herself, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you just need to show her that it's abusive and she needs to leave him and he doesn't actually care and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then like fucking we get this literal embodiment of that. This is actually the only scene where I had my, like, you can do whatever you want with these characters, uh-huh. but you still have to do them right. Batman letting her drop in the acid. I had a moment of just mm. like, mm, that wouldn't happen. That's not what well, Yeah, for a split he, second, you're right. But then right after this, she falls in as Batman and Joker kind of run off uh, after each other. And it's fake acid. There's this so he knew it was fake. Moment yeah, of clear, did, yeah, that's, that's what did I Batman thought. Did Batman know it was Margarita like, Mix? Yeah, he knows what's going on. Harley has this moment of clarity where it's like, oh, Joker doesn't love me. And she's remembering things differently like Mm. oh these things he was saying to me he was saying past me to batman like he's in love with batman not me and then ivy reveals herself as having staged it like look i care about you so much this is a quote that i spent my entire saturday setting up something this fucking stupid Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like you can't tell someone about the mistakes they're making in their lives until they learn their own mistakes Mm -hmm. and so she's like let me accelerate this process. I just busted you out of prison. I really don't want this to drag on forever. Because we just watched Suicide Squad. I initially thought it when Harley was having the recollecting 
dancing with the Joker and this mm-hmm. proposal and stuff. And the first time it happened, I kind of thought, is this real? And then by the time you get to the end, it's not real. She's yeah. been imagining this whole thing. But because we just watched Suicide Squad, because we were talking about this whole gunfight and the flowers and stuff, and my thought was mm-hmm. like, I think that she just imagines these things. Like everything to her is like bubblegum world or something <laughs> when i was watching this that's what i thought too like this is this she's just superimposing all of these things and and it's like everything is more playful and pleasant and it's not horribly violent and whatever because and it's not as bad as you're saying yeah, yeah like something about her brain is filtering stuff in a different way that makes it all all of it like fun it's yeah all, well, fun all more fun and more mm. enjoyable and stuff and uh yeah so having well, well, I liked because we already had this discussion. I saw something else. Had I seen this by itself, I would have just kind of thought whatever. But being able to compare the two and already having that thought like, oh, yeah, she just sees things differently. I like that. Yeah, that's actually a lot more perceptive than I was because <laughs> I was just caught up in the whole fucking thing, you know, and the, the vibe and the, and the humor of it. So mm. uh, all those times I watched it, I never really considered that. Next, Harley ditches the jester suit for sort of a, I call it original. It's a cross between the New 52 and Margot, the blue and pink and the sort of corset, like crop sort of thing. And yeah, I like this suit a lot. This is as good as any of her designs, in my opinion. Yeah, this whole recent, whatever the incarnations of this newer designer are are badass. Yeah, it's just kind of a great marriage of of multiple eras, Mm -hmm. you know, the diamonds and the jester vibe. But, and I've seen comic versions kind of like this that are like overtly sexualized and just too much and this is like like I remember Margot saying about the first movie Harley's not wearing short shorts to pick up guys like she's wearing it because it's fun and cute and whatever and she Mm -hmm. likes her the reason I wear short shorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It genuinely just seems like more badass to me. Yeah. It, like it's her wearing like streetwear or the whole thing yeah. with like a bat in the combat boots or like, mm-hmm. this is her looking like a badass. And for comics, it's a lot because I just think it's dope and I think it's a dope character design. But for somebody who feels differently and more strongly about it, probably sees this as like an awesome symbol of like comics changing and women being strong characters and yeah. like having a standout design and or even ivy's costume is kind of the same. yeah i was gonna yeah. say on that so note like a blazer and let's tights. address yeah. that that ivy is i think above catwoman in that she's probably the most sexualized dc character for the purpose of her character i'm not saying it's it's in any disservice to her she is a seductress and she uses men and Eats a lot up. of her mm-hmm. costumes are and variations on how can we draw her naked without her actually being naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's cool, but because <laughs> that's what she does yeah. in a lot of stories, sure. particularly older stories. But in recent years, they've painted her differently, particularly in pairing with Ivy. And this version, this is weird to me, because I am a dude who does think these characters are hot. Sometimes, this is my favorite Ivy. She's just wearing a jacket and a t-shirt and long pants. And yet her characterization is so spot on and the role she serves with Harley in that relationship. And yeah, I just really think this is my favorite Ivy all around. I like at the end of... But part of it is funny because you get these times where um, 
This is Batman. This is comic universe. Also, we're roommates now. So it's like part sitcom or something. And so you have this <laughs> yeah. like apartment, you know, female roommates and stuff. And I've never had sisters. You've never had all female living quarters? Nope. Where you, you and the other girls uh-uh. have your banter? Nope. Oh. Uh, paint our nails and whatever. <laughs> uh, and so I, I like their dynamic together. And then I like at the end of episode two and they both got their party favor bags and then they're both <laughs> yeah. wearing like, they're wearing baseball tees that are kind of specific to their character and stuff. And, yeah. and it, just seeing them because the, the care, the, like the costumes become so synonymous with the characters that yes. even thinking about them in mundane scenarios is odd. Yeah. And then thinking about them in baseball shirts it's a little extra funny. Like I only know you to only like Jubilee only ever wears this yeah. yellow rain yeah. slicker. Like I don't think she has other clothes. You made me think of a gag that comes up. It's like the, the crew is all there. One of them opens up this box that got delivered and it was like, Oh, check these out. Is this our new uniform? Uh, all the t-shirts say suicide squad on them. They got a big skull on them. And um, she's like, Oh, it's these guys who keep trying to get me to join their fucking crew. You know? <laughs> nice. And then like the rest of the episode, they're all wearing them. <laughs> it, yeah. It's kind of like the dodgeball thing where like the costumes get mixed up and nice. it's funny. But uh, what you're saying about casual wear in the animated series, uh, Batman, the animated series, the Harley and Ivy episode where they're hiding out together you know, they are just kind of wearing like, I think like oversized man t-shirts and, you know, just kind of around the house like they would be. And I think the first time people saw that was like, these girls are together, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, no, this is for children. They're not gay. You know, and um, I think once they finally were able to embrace that, it's like, yeah, there's so much more here than mm-hmm. the fucking have it to the kiss <laughs> yeah then <laughs> no it's not just looking. a sisterhood it's a sexy sisterhood yeah. um i was just thinking that arkham has a lot of people who have interesting faces going on and they can't do anything about that but it's not a costume it's just an interesting face uh, how come harley is allowed to w- i would think that you would show up to prison and they'd be like you're largely stripped of Makeup, yeah. all of these identifying yeah. things. She's got that commissary fun. Yeah, man. so I yeah, so I love that she has her orange jumpsuit and then still has like makeup and the jester thing. Like they allow that for some reason. Well, my favorite joke or one of them from the Ninja Turtle crossover was when Shredder is walking through Arkham and she's like, "Yoo-hoo! and like calls Shredder over there and he's just like, "What do you want?" And she like leans real close to his mask and fucking touches up her eye makeup in the reflection. Uh-huh. like, thanks, just needed to make sure I was all good. You know, it's not like the first time, but yeah, you're right. It's a little odd when characters retain parts of their costume. Yeah, I, I would think that if you could remove it, then you would be forced to remove it. That was your, that's not going to happen. Oh, <laughs> I pushed up my glasses. <laughs> I've been to prison. They never, you never do that. All right, so moving on with the story here. She's got the new suit. Joker's like, oh my God, look at you. And she just brutally murders by hand, no less, all of Joker's goons. I love when the theme song kicks in for the first time, like during that fight sequence. Ivy shows up of like, 
I just was seeing if you needed any help. And like the fucking last wall of the place collapses mm. <laughs> around them. I'm like, okay, I guess you're good. I'm going to pick up some takeout. Um, just text me what you want. I My lo- favorite relationship jokes this. are when they capture the mundane shit that people like weird mm. owls trapped in a drive through where they're arguing about like, what do you want for dinner? And it goes on for nine minutes. That kind of shit about relationships is the funniest to me. And this whole like, well, yeah, I mean, you're right here. Just it's the, I want this, this, and this. She's like, I will not remember. Just fucking text me so I don't get the wrong thing and you get fucking mad later. And just like, again, multiple murders scene that they're standing in the middle of. Mm -hmm. Wreckage everywhere. And this is what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Joker is still alive. She tells him she's leaving him alive because the whole, you know, the best revenge is living well. She wants him to see her outgrow him and that she's worth more than he gave her credit for now episode two because that was a great great finale of the pilot it begins with howie mandel on tv he's got a cooking show and joker shows up and threatens to blow him up mocking harley's plan for uh going solo essentially he's got a bomb strapped to uh, howie mandel they make a joke about how the TV was calling their couple name Joe Quinn. He's like, but our couple name is Joker. I was like, that's weird, though, because fans of these people call them Jarly. Look up hashtag Jarly. There's no, a, I refuse. There's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. I'm just saying that's a real thing, so that was strange for them to not not know that. But Maybe it was a, they did know it. It was a conscious choice like, to I don't not like it. acknowledge. We're not saying that. Without, I'm kind of speaking about something that I... Are you about to admit I'd, to calling him Jarly? No, I don't. Uh, no, that's the first I've heard of it. That's a <laughs> Look, terrible When they started name. with Benefer, <laughs> these couple names, <laughs> I've had it. Some of them are fine. Some of them, they could be Brandly cool. If you, come up, yeah, if you come up with an okay combo, then um, we'll be all right with it. But Me and you together, we could be seven. Sorry. Right. Or A.M. <laughs> Savant. <laughs> um, Savant. Savant. I have heard that Howie Mandel is like... Germaphobe. Yeah, germaphobe. He's very sanitary. My, I think that my brother saw him at, I don't remember where, an airport or something one time. And uh, they, they either <laughs> like, they, no, like Joel went and he was going to like shake his hand or something. And how he was like, not in a rude way, but just yeah. like the bump fist or, or the elbow thing or something like that. But in this, they say something about like TV's cleanest and something talk show host. Yeah. And they're like, ha ha ha, slat it in there. Harley and Ivy crash the Legion of Doom, and it turns out to be a cobblepot bar mitzvah for his son. And there's a great cutaway joke here as we are introduced to Bane on this series, who is just taking the piss out of Tom Hardy this whole time. And they cut to Bane at trivia night at a bar, and the bartender who's like hosting this game says, I'm sorry, no, the Steelers have won the most games at Gotham Stadium. He goes, I'm going to blow up Gotham <laughs> Stadium. So funny. <laughs> Followed by Evans, one that he called out earlier, where as soon as they make fun of him again at the bar mitzvah there in present day, he's like, I'm going to blow up this bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. And that becomes a running joke through the whole series. Uh, but I, I love this Well, band. and even before that, you have the... Um, they're getting coffee. They're at, like the water cooler the in the workplace. Doom, yeah, <laughs> the Legion of Doom behind the scenes stuff. Is oh good. my gosh! And like in Bane's, like your idle gossip distracts me from my master plans, <laughs> or something like that. And then Scarecrow's like, he just dismisses it and goes back to like his gossip. Joker walks up, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, like, like, oh my god, like a 
like, like oh, this is fucking what? awkward. Like that, that's the guy we don't like talking yeah, to at like, the office. I think the the thing with Bane is hilarious. Like the um, visually character that you remember from the past that the live action movie deviated from, mm-hmm. but the voice He's of the of live action character, but. Silly, like big and vulnerable and smart and stupid. And he's so funny. Yeah, I love yeah. it. That's I kind of only want Bane to have that. <laughs> yeah, he can have one version of what the tone of the thing is. And that's great because you were the big proponent of he should have the South American accent. Yeah, I know. I know I said it, but like seeing this is like, no, I love that voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hilarious. In the same way that I was like, yeah, fucking Lego Batman, they just make fun of everything and they do the stupid, you know, they do the parody of the Christian Bale voice and they make fun of the seriousness and and then in this they do the exact same thing to Bane and I'm like, I love Tom Hardy and I don't think the hate was warranted and yet this is the perfect way to address that. I don't think that one even necessarily... The only thing that would make a person even think that would be because the voice being like a newer Hardy creation and being different from what people pictured because nobody would take this Joker voice and be like, that's not the fucking Joker I know and blah, yeah. blah, blah. They're just ripping on him or something. That, like, this I do is, like this Joker voice. Yeah, this is like... Uh, no, we visually took this, and we took this new thing, but also I see that it could be hilarious. So let's just take that and make it funny. Because it's not the voice that's funny. I mean, the voice is no, funny, it's, but <laughs> it's it's that voice saying those the things thing, yes. that makes exactly. it funny. When he's talking about like Joker, t- like, no, let's talk about this right now. <laughs> like, it was but earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered the fish well in advance. <laughs> yeah, dude, what it's are, hilarious. Well, I, no, I think I'm going to eat that too. What am I going to do? No, what no, he says, what are, then what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. There's a great... <laughs> so, like, another thing that they do when they spend more time at the Legion of Doom is they all have their big thrown chairs around this big table like Dr. Evil or something and someone else comes to the table they offer him Bane's chair (laughs) and they give him a tiny tiny metal folding chair off to the side I'll leave the rest to your imagination but it's like a thing that comes back and back where they just disrespect him constantly man making him the big baby character and yeah like the chilling in the corner like oh, oh, rumpf. like making him that guy is so funny yeah it's it's a really good parody uh, Joker shows up to mark his territory because he sees that Har- Harley was there um, you know he's like robbing a bank and Batman didn't come and he's like wait yeah, what so the funny. fuck yeah. yeah yeah then he finds out she was there Kite Man is introduced, and he's one of my favorite characters on this show. He repeatedly hits on Ivy, and someone calls him stupid, and he turns to Ivy, and he's like, do you think I'm stupid? And just without hesitation, he goes, don't you? And walked away. <laughs> like she, Her deadpan is very Daria, mm-hmm. and I fucking love it. My favorite thing about that and their relationship in particular, having only seen four episodes, so mm-hmm. I don't know where it goes, she's like... Kite Man say anything about me? <laughs> like, yeah, like, later he, she, he, he starts rubbing off on her, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Even when they're flying and stuff, like you know, when you're you're not you know, not not saying anything at all. It's it's kind of nice up We're here. We're just floating actually. majestically. It's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. Jason Alexander as the penguin was <laughs> so. Jason Alexander? Wayne no, Knight. Wayne Knight Newman. from Seinfeld. Oh. Yeah, Jerry. Jason yeah. Alexander is the landlord. The cyborg. Oh, okay. Cy. Take. Take that back. But yeah, Wayne he's... Knight. But he is... Wayne Knight's a great guy, penguin. Whatever. It's so funny. Like, 
immediately recognizable and totally maybe do- recognizable. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, again, Curb and Seinfeld actors all over the place. It's like so awesome. Is you know sometimes where you don't. Like I never would have picked. Place. I, it wasn't until you said Wayne Knight at the top of this. Like, like oh. that's who it was. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, later I think when Harley goes home and visits her parents, pretty sure Susie Essman is her mom. Uh, which, um, with the accent and the uh, attitude, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I don't know these people's <laughs> names. <laughs> Watch you know, it's, 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 it's a fact. Seinfeld? The mailman in Seinfeld. I know Nedry from Jurassic Park. There you go. Yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dobson, no, everybody. No, it's just I don't. I don't recall many actors' names. But it's perfect, and I love you it. you got to remember Wayne Knight. Wayne anyway, Knight. from here, Kite Man accidentally drugs all the teen boys with her love potion. <laughs> She's like, what did you think, you kite fucking freak? My name is Poison. <laughs> uh, I just can't get enough of the way these people talk. It's just like, it's like the first time I watched the pilot episode of Eastbound and Down with uh, Danny McBride. Yeah. Even I knew that. <laughs> Ange came home in the middle of the episode, and I was like, I found a show that's like me. It's a guy like me. He talks like me. <laughs> uh, one of my f- favorite things about Sam is that I know how smart you are, but it's a different version of how my dad thinks like farts are hilarious. Mm-hmm. I know how smart you are, but the stuff that really tickles you yeah. is people saying fuck and just this kind of like low it's level the intelligence combined with the lack of maturity yeah it's, exactly. it's, it's this it's this it's low not just, level uh it's not just fucks like speaking of seinfeld jerry seinfeld is famously clean because he thinks you can make any punchline easier with a fuck or mm-hmm. something uh or with a dirtier way to do it but for me it's the combination of words that makes it good or bad like mm-hmm. this show is exceptional with the dirty humor because again you kite fucking freak is not anything another character has ever said on any show in the past yeah, it sounds funny together exactly and so it, like it's alliterative it's dismissive it's like it's just a lot of things wrapped in one but it's unique above all and so those are the ones that get me is like if kevin smith can still shock me with language at times it's very impressive at this point mm-hmm. in our culture where like everything's already been heard. You've crossed all the lines you can cross. And so to me, it's the cleverness of it. Yeah. Just like when you know we're rapping or something, if, if I could say something filthy that's... No one's ever quite said it like that before. Yeah. I get a kick out of it. I, I just like... So it's the smart and the stupid mixed together. Yeah, yeah, totally. I just like that the same dude who just said alliterative... <laughs> Think, <laughs> thinks that kite fucking freak is hilarious. The best, the peak of yeah, yeah. English that's language. it. We, yeah, that I can critique. That's the tippy top freak. Yeah. yeah. So Harley robs the Gotham Mint, which is adjacent to where this whole place is hosted. Uh, this whole event is hosted to get in with the Legion of Doom. She's like, okay, this will impress them. This will show them I'm not just a fucking sidekick, right? She murders all these guards in the process. This is the I think the second time I noticed. Horrible leg trauma. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. right off the bat. But Brutal. also, um, prior to their escaping from prison, Ivy and Harley are having that nonchalant <laughs> oh, yeah. walk down the hallway, and she's like bound, and she bites the guy's ear off, yeah. and like, yeah, the, that whole part is brutal too. There was actually a later episode where they square off Harley and Penguin, and she devetoes him. Oh, just bites the nose because he has the big uh, schnoz, and he's mm. the one who bit the other guy's nose. She fucking does it to him. Whew. Easter egg. No. It is <laughs> gross. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, anyway, she breaks in only to find that it was staged with fake money in the vault. They're Joshua Bucks right as they open the fucking door and Penguin and everybody sees. It was like an improv Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All the guards are just actors and yeah. It's funny that he says something about like... You ruined the surprise, you know, and everybody's like, whoa, and they're like, (laughs) and they're like, meh. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's just comedy writers dissing on improv. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's for sure a burn. (laughs) Right after that, like, no, no, no horror for Harley. All right, so Ivy flies with Kite Man back to her place because she's got to get an antidote for all these drugged up kids now immediately like she goes straight to the spot turns around where are you and he's fully naked in her bed like ready to fuck and to me the best part of this scene is not just that that happens and how oblivious he is but when she sees it and frank the plant laughing hysterically yeah he was like i just want to see how it would play out (laughs) (laughs) penguin gives his kid the umbrella with the gun in it and is like, okay, you're going to become a man? Well, all right, you're going to shoot Harley, right? It plays into that, but I love the line about, um, like, uh, it, it was at my celebration that I found my calling. And that he's like, and so I'm going to force my will onto you. <laughs> yeah, my calling as a underworld crime lord or something like mm, that, yeah. yeah. Force um, my calling onto you. So yeah, he tells his kid he's got to shoot her, and then she starts playing mind games with the kid and and kind of using some of the ammo she overheard from his friends of like, watch that steady hand. Like people are going to think you're not really a man, you know? Like he's like, you've probably finger banged someone, right? Yeah, yeah you wouldn't yeah. have lied about that, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> that whole, how could you even call yourself a blah blah if you've never finger blasted? <laughs> and then here's something that we point out as a reference often but kite man crashes on his face through the window which is a great twist on the batman busting in and saving the day he just eats shit super hard and ivy gently lowers herself with a vine (laughs) to the floor and then they take on the legion of doom and by they i mean ivy and harley while bane destroys kite man one-on-one Merciless. He's like uh, <laughs> event coordinator. Yeah. He's like, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to take somebody just right. If you could step out <laughs> of the way, yeah. right over there, and yeah, when he's like got him all bloodied up in a headlock and just punching his face. Uh, I don't know how great this episode is going to be, just explaining jokes, but there's so many that made me smile. Who knows? The end of the show being that she's like, okay, so the only way this antidote works, so it has to be delivered. From my mouth to yours. And so all the boys line up to get a kiss from Poison Ivy. And then they start getting back in line again. <laughs> Holding up a branch. Yeah, I, I like yeah. what he says. He, I'm still like pretty tree, though. <laughs> still kind of part tree, though. All right, so episode three opens on a train. Harley's fighting KG Beast. And she provides what I... I have no doubt was James Gunn's influence for the whole toe unlock scene in the Suicide Squad. She does that exact same thing here. It's one of those like one person puts a key on this side of the door. Another person puts a key on that side of the door and they're five feet apart. And so she contorts her whole body horizontally parallel to the floor, does one with her fingertips and one with her toes. And watching that again after that movie, I was like, 
Oh, yeah, okay. That's got to be it. <laughs> and then Joker shows up with a whole goon, fucking throws her out the side of the window and takes her haul. There's the joke in that scene where KGB is like, oh, you speak Russian, which totally felt like just a family guy, that joke from early seasons of Family Guy where he's like, Brian's like, uh, me amo es Brian. He's like, actually, it's just me amo Brian because you're saying I'm called Brian. Oh. Oh, you speak English? No. Just that sentence, and this one explaining that sentence. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is like okay. literally the exact same joke. That's great. Yeah, this strong family guy influence in this show. Afterward, they're back at the apartment, and Harley resolves to hire a crew. Okay, well, Joker gets away with all this shit because he's not just one dude. She's already fucking best friends with like one of the most overpowered characters in the DC universe, but Ivy's not super gung ho on all of her crazy shit. So it's like, all right, I'm going to hire a crew. And she goes to the Henchman Talent Agency. This is like the break room at Legion of Doom. This is the kind of shit this show does that's very unexplored territory, you know. They are showing her all the options, and then it's immediately like, oh, you're not with the Joker anymore? Yeah, these men are not available. Oh, when will they be? Never. Close the door. Like, bye. Okay. Shit. I like that, too, because that part seemed like in the same way that you had the rich dudes in the beginning of season or episode one. Like, this seemed like a dig at like like sexism commentary yeah, well yeah and just like industry insider guys and their fakeness and the, mm. the and like they love you until oh yeah wait, exactly no. like this the salesman and the That's pitching true. and like oh you're the beautiful you're the best blah 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 and like as soon as it wasn't going to benefit them also you know they don't want to be attached to you if you're not attached to this other name then i don't want anything to do with you anymore and to yeah. me that seemed like a like a movie music industry showbiz yeah like a showbiz dig to me that's a little bit like birds of prey in that once people find out that she's on her own well that's when everybody feels safe to come and get their revenge Mm -hmm. um but i like that this is a a different version of that is just like oh you thought you were well connected but you have like no social capital anymore Mm -hmm. you know we're introduced to dr psycho who is Giant fight with Wonder Woman in the streets is, is on TV. Played by Jason Alexander. No. <laughs> you're, you're, okay, you're making a joke. No, okay, this one's way nice. <laughs> Actually, yeah. So on the other, uh, on Batman Ninja, when you were talking about like this Joker, and I was like, he sounds just like Dr. Psycho. So it's Tony Hale. from Buster v. Bluth. Yes. He is caught on camera calling her a cunt. He's like, oh, that hurt, you fucking cunt, or something like that. And... It's like you're watching this third act of a DC movie with all this crazy action shit in the streets and people filming it on their cell phones. And then it's like when Bruce Wayne in prison walks through the, the riot in the prison and everyone stops. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you could hear a pin drop after he dropped the C word and everyone's like, oh no. And I also think it's funny that they use the word all the time on this show from or directed at him. But they always censor it. For everything else that they let fly, they always censor it. It's funnier. That's why. Well, that was on TV, so I got it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Normally, those things bother me when people like, you know, they'll be on Facebook, and this really bothers the F star star K out of me. Or they'll like put a t shirt that's like, because F hashtag at K your feelings. You know, I'm like, what? You're saying a horrible thing. Just commit to it. You yeah, weirdo. Yeah. You know, say like, it or do not say it. I don't say something else if you don't want to say it. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. 
But yeah, and this is, is kind of played up for comedy. You're going to H-E double hockey sticks. And what exactly. I mean to say, you're going to be tortured for all eternity. Yeah. Right? I don't want to say it politely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Subtle. They wind up at the same bar as he's kind of drinking off his uh, scandal. Harley runs into him there, and, and this uh, country bartender does his Tasmanian spin transformation, and it is Clayface. And again, for a tragic, horrible monster to be such a hilarious caricature of like a Shakespearean actor gone wrong. Uh, it's just brilliant. This is another one, too, where I feel like, uh, oh, these writers just really knew this person. Like, he's not an actor. He's a thespian. You know, like, he's not he's not a Hollywood actor. He is a local stage actor. And <laughs> but, but instead, to pick that part of you have X characteristics, and you can lean into one of them. And this is the one that they pick, you know, and, yes. which sets him apart from everybody else. But I mean, it's not like they didn't just make up this characteristic. It's a part of a part of his character. Yeah. And it's part of both Carlo and Hagen's yeah. origins. So like, so let's let's go hard on this. But how can we also make that funny and unique? He's so over the top. And uh, I like that here, just introducing the characters for the first time, we're already getting their kind of banter as it will be in the future mm -hmm. of <laughs> Psycho feeling degraded that he's not hanging out with the Legion of Doom, but with these people. And he's like, with well, this literal piece of shit. <laughs> and Clayface spins around and turns into Psycho and says, no, now I'm a literal piece of shit. <laughs> it just like sets the stage for all of the great infighting with these insane characters. Harley and Ivy go to a How to Get a Crew seminar from Maxi Zeus. One of the more ridiculous Batman rogues, if you ask me. Yeah, he's on your uh, yep. thing up there. He just needs some like, kick-ass writer to write a real yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They do him in a funny way here. Story about yeah. him. He actually kind of sounds like the guy who voices Joe on Family Guy. I wonder if he is. Oh, Patrick Warburton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She meets him backstage, and he instantly fucking like sprawls out because he's wearing the like ancient Greek sort of attire cloth. and he like sprawls out and shows his fucking cock and balls and they they show you but they blur it and um, you know it gets very like backstage date rapey vibe and she sees herself out they do such a good job of just making people douchebags on this show mm -hmm. they don't have to do some big serious look how bad this guy is they, they can just set up a trap and watch this person walk right into it yeah. sort of you know Ivy explains the glass ceiling concept to Harley and sends her to meet the Queen of Fables. And this is another curb actor, Wanda Sykes. We hear the story of her fighting the Justice League in this very gory Zack Snyder kind of montage. But with all these children's fable characters that are getting murdered just mercilessly by Wonder Woman and Superman and shit. Superman decapitates one of them and then lasers the head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, there's no way that happened. And she's like, I may have taken some creative liberties <laughs> into retelling the story, but you get the point. And uh, basically saying that like, instead of getting taken to Arkham, you know, she was stuck in this fucking book for eternity and kind of talking about how like, nobody wants a female villain to upstage any of the male characters here. And then we get this 
weird joke of the gingerbread man. I loved it. That's one of my favorite jokes. Tell it. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> just, they say something like, wow, this office is terrible, but sure beats turning tricks out on the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. And first of all, we just saw the montage of them all getting fucked up. And so this is a nice little gingerbread man on crutches who's Missing cookie arm, is broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, then talks about whoring himself out. Oh, God. Like, she's so miffed about being a book. Yeah. But, but look at this sad, <laughs> sad boy. Uh, Psycho goes on the talk show again with Tawny and is backpedaling, saying, no one respects women more than this guy. And then says cunt again when, uh, what's her name, Giganta? Titania. Pisses him off. He gets kicked out of the Legion of Doom officially and teams up with Harley to rehabilitate his image, working with a female leader. I, I love that, too. Like All of this just seems like the writer's categorizing and kind of ripping on a certain demographic of people, but even the Legion of Doom like kicking him out as like a PR move because it makes them look bad it's, or yeah. something it's, like that. Uh, isn't it Giancarlo Esposito as Lex Luthor? Like, yeah, as the head yeah, of He's the been leader. officially removed from the Legion of Doom and the Legion of Doom Europe and the Junior Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. but yeah all it's just, it's very much like now if someone is on a podcast and says some shit out of line and, mm-hmm. you know, they get fired publicly. You know, it's just, it's, this like, this show could only have existed now. Like a Legion know? of Doom does cancel culture. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's low for them even to, to say that <laughs> word, to, be, to act that like, way. Like we yeah. might be evil, but well, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was even a little tag on, on the screen where it's like, uh, Doctor, what is it, Dr. Psycho? Or? Yeah. Dr. Psycho, removed from the Justice League, will probably only get one or two more chances or something. (laughs) (laughs) Clayface invites himself along on their first mission, and she uh, leads them to Maxi Zeus. And she wants to rob him and, and get revenge for being a creep. Clayface gets very caught up because they're like okay you so be the distraction just, you just be, be the, the mailman, mailman. <laughs> yeah and he's so obsessed with the backstory the motivations of the character and all this that when he gets to the door he's like years ago you met a young woman in a piano bar and you had a passionate night of love and 20 years later here I am dad you know just fucking but the funniest thing to me about the way Clayface is portrayed is that he overacts to the extent he breaks character constantly. Mm. You know, he doesn't say, like, I'm an actor. I'm an actor! And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So even when he's doing a voice and completely altered his appearance, like, I'm doing a character in the disguise of someone, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, he just can't <laughs> help himself. Yeah, it's just like classic overacting. And I can even recall, like, drama kids from high school being like oh my god like you don't have to go this hard on it you know uh, and the whole thing about you're disappearing into a role to the point where you're not recognizable anymore you're just kind of like the vehicle for the thing yeah so for him to not like this is what he latched onto as an actor and that's being over the top and vocal inflection and stuff and so then even when he disguises himself he can't help but bring that to the table like this is like stereotype actor. Well, and what you were saying about drama and theater in high school, I was just saying this the other day, Ange did a Peloton ride that had all this, these pop punk bands on it, but it was like the emo ride. 
And I was like, it's so funny to me that people conflate those things. Because to me, there was a hard line of like being a band kid in school and that kind of dork or being a theater kid. Yeah. It is way different. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone yeah. else, it looks the same. Those, like those dudes are way more dramatic and over the top. We're not hanging out at their table. To everyone else, you're a weird art kid. That's yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess. It's like, what are these subdivisions yeah. you're putting up here? <laughs> Psycho is very upset when, again, this is their first job, and Harley does not want his genius intellect or his superpower. She's like, no, you're just the only one small enough to fit in this fucking vent. <laughs> <laughs> Zeus catches on to this ruse because, like, everything he says is like, that's weird. Because when I met you know Felicia or whatever her name she had blue eyes and his eyes turned to blue which is one of my favorite bits in anything we watch is the escalation of that scene (laughs) it's strange you didn't inherit her humpback yeah by the time you come it goes away and then it comes back like you see where it's going (laughs) yeah like you can tell that he's catching on and and they just go with it and then it it cuts away and then it comes back and just looks like a monster he looks like that fucking Capullo like Court of Owls hallucination with the, the big yeah. contorted spine like a question mark kind of and <laughs> so yeah Zeus catches on and beats up Clayface which again this is first time they used him in something you're getting the idea like okay he can change form but he might not be big monster can smash destroy everything mm-hmm. Clayface because I remember watching that going, who beats up Clayface hand-to-hand? That doesn't yeah, yeah. happen. Yeah, that's he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. yeah. Nah, it wouldn't happen. That was your moment of that. Well, <laughs> the thing is, this show, the characters that they've chosen, they interact so well together and they're so funny. But realistically, this is almost a more lethal team than the Legion of Doom. So you have Ivy, Psycho, King Shark... Clayface. Yes. These it's guys. A powerful squad. Psycho is a Wonder Woman villain. So that's someone who's supposed to go toe to toe with Wonder Woman, who's yeah. a god. That's the whole gimmick with King Shark, too, is he's like sort of a god or something because he's yeah. borderline and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of the people that she teams up with are unstoppable. And so to put a cap on Clayface and use him for a different reason is probably a smart choice. Because if you didn't do that first episode, then the whole time you're being, well, why didn't he just save him? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Well, they do the same thing with King Shark in the next episode. Yes. Yeah, these are like restricted characters. The, 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 I don't get the feeling that the whole point is like super battles. Well, yeah, because right after that, when they come down the stairs and see Clayface getting beat up, and, you know, Psycho just fucking rips him a new asshole, just, you know, <laughs> destroys yeah. him in a second. Mm-hmm. They leave him out on the steps by his giant statue of himself with his junk on mm-hmm. display <laughs> just like backstage. And uh, he says on the news, Harley Quinn and her crew are nothing to fuck with. Wu-Tang. Yeah. Harley traded Zeus's gold that they stole for a warhead to finally blackmail the city, which happens off screen. This is just explained because this is, I believe, the third time she mentions wanting to blackmail the city and get a highway named after her. And so in the closing kind of credits that we see that on TV that, where they're like, and this car chase on the Harley Quinn highway. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> that feels like, to me like Austin Powers when Dr. Evil wakes up and he has no concept of like inflation 
you know, ask for one <laughs> million. Yeah, though. one million, and they're and they're like, it's not really all that much anymore. And they're like, oh, what? You know, so Harley's like being content with a highway named after her. It's really funny. <laughs> Episode four opens with a great setup. Ivy is content by herself. She's whistling the theme song. We don't hear it normally. She's just cleaning the apartment, her and her vines, cleaning up the place, making it all nice. And then the gang shows up, throws their big sack of money and shit everywhere. It's got the fucking blue dye from bank vaults that you can't get out of anything. You know, smashes the glass table. They turn on the TV expecting to see the news covering their big heist. And it's not there. And they're overshadowed, and so Harley smashes what Ivy says is the ninth TV in their house. And uh, again, is the voice of reason. You guys realize you're committing serious felonies, right? You don't want people yeah. to know who you are. To which Harley interprets by saying, you're right, I need to find a nemesis, because any villain is only as good as their hero, and vice versa. So I need, if I'm going to get on the headlines... You're right. I got to make some more epic battles here and find a nemesis, and that's the jump off. I like the characterization of both jumping ahead, just Damien and Superman. I think this is a hilarious <laughs> Superman. Yes, we just I love that. Like I'm everybody's sweet potato pie. Or like that. <laughs> yeah, the cyborg landlord Psy shows up. This is Jason Alexander's intro, followed immediately by King Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he walks in the door. I don't know if they break a bat or smash a chair over his head or whatever, and he just doesn't flinch and like, I'm just here to help out with your social media image, you know. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a big, goofy fuck, even though they paint him really scary when he walks in. And basically, it just strikes out on her hench match, or no, her nemesis match uh, website. And so she's <laughs> like, I'm not going to fucking fight Tommy tomorrow <laughs> and uh, so she's like alright I'm going to take this into my own hands she steals the Batmobile and <laughs> I like the way they explain how she actually stole it because at first you're like how do you just decide to steal the Batmobile and like oh yeah it's voice activated check this out and like edited <laughs> parts of his speech from random places like release the Batmobile to Harley uh-huh. To the bat cave where I definitely fuck bats. You know? <laughs> uh, or no, make love to bats. Because in the first, I think it was the first episode. Yeah, when they're talking about gardening. And she makes the first joke about like him fucking bats. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's on this. But at one point she does get dragged to the cave. She's like, oh, this must be where you fuck the bats. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring it back. <laughs> so... Batman shows up in the rafters and like Clayface gets pulled up by a grappling hook and then out of the shadows, it's not Batman. It's Robin. <laughs> not just Robin, but Damien and talks all this shit like, lady, I was raised by an elite group of assassins from birth and she just grabs him by the back of his belt, hooks him up and fucking leaves him there kicking like, you know, Kevin McAllister hooked to the back door of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lois Lane wrote an article about Harley fighting a child and setting back the evil women's movement. (laughs) Uh, There's a good gag about which of the crew, like, do you have any free articles left? I hit the fuck. Oh, yeah, and the paywall is so stupid. And, like, even Superman jokes about it later. I had a fucking Daily Planet. Like, $7.99 is a lot to ask. I like the way he says it, too, because it's still positive. It's like, that's an ambitious goal or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's a big ask. So they kidnap Lois, Superman, 
<laughs> when he busts through the wall and goes, I got to remember to keep my mouth closed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> he's going to break through the wall and then somebody is like, man, wouldn't you get some crap in your mouth? You should probably say something. Let's, let's add that in. That's probably good. I can just imagine sitting around the writer's room of a comedy like this. Yeah. Just that would be the funnest thing. Just building on each other. I love even seeing behind the scenes stuff about table readings and stuff and like how enjoyable all of that looks. Yeah. I know that it would be hard work, but having a bad time where the whole point was to be as funny as possible. Yes. Se- like I don't know how bad that could be. That seems pretty nice. If anything shows like this or like F is for Family, the Bill Burr cartoon on Netflix. I think these are very similar styles of shows. And to me, the less they worry about the story, the better. Mm -hmm. Because both shows are like episodic stories that each season kind of has an arc to it. And I feel like you got to be careful. There's a reason like Family Guy and Simpsons and South Park have been on for fucking ever because they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier to write a 20-minute story. But like all three of those shows, I think, got old or stale because of that. When maybe it's just built into the format, because it's not like I think like Family Guy would have been great if they went deep into Peter's. <laughs> like, that probably wouldn't have worked either, but mm-hmm. they... I want a whole season about the toy factory. <laughs> yeah, it just it's... That doesn't last forever either, although they dragged it out because there's always going to be people that tune in. But like, it's hard to write jokes and it's hard to be funny. But if you keep telling the same jokes, it stops being funny, mm-hmm. even if they were funny the first time. So 30 years of a show. It's going to grow and change into something else on some level, especially if you're around for generations, the style of humor and things like that. But I mean, I still like watching The Simpsons and I still like watching family guy and stuff because you can turn it on at any point it's like black label versus jumping into continuity mm. you know you can enjoy it at any time for as long or as little as you want get a couple jokes have a laugh and then exactly watch it for fucking dinner one night and then forget about it for six months and come back to it so there's a specific charm about that for a comedy that they challenge themselves doing a show like this one thing to the benefit of like south park is that they always do such a good job about staying current that they yeah. always have like a wellspring of material to draw from because mm-hmm. they have all this normal stuff, but their ability to weave current events into storylines yeah. makes them like, as long as you stay sharp and as long as you're like ripping up this subject matter, then you'll always have something to talk about because there's always crap going on. Yeah, they kind of have the the same kind of ammo that late night monologue writers are going to have it's just there's always something topical you know whatever the zeitgeist is at that you know moment yeah yeah and i don't mean that you don't tire of it's like late night talk show yeah yeah i don't mean that you don't tire of their style or delivery or something but they don't have to um, yeah in creative process only not in terms of the quality (laughs) you could eat pizza forever and be happy with it yeah good and like yeah yeah, pizza's awesome yeah but even you know i like spending time outside in nature is like is yeah is like poison ivy yeah (laughs) maybe that's why i like it nature is like endlessly beautiful but even in that there once you've seen one tree you've seen all the (laughs) (laughs) trees that's how i feel about traveling i've seen a lot of cities they all look the same at this point Mm, concrete yeah but how could all right. So you're so you're saying then that okay, you're travel like, just isn't worth challenge. the effort because it's not about tiring of seeing the thing because you stare at these walls all the time. You just don't like 
the effort involved in traveling, and you don't you see, to see you the think same it, yeah, you think it's else. pointless. I, mean, I think that's reading in a lot to what I just said. I, I feel just, like that. No, I just meant what well, you just said. I agree with. So I just meant there's a limit to, like you said, with nature. Even after you go and experience this and this and this, like, well, you start to see the I lot of parallels. It. I interrupted his point. I think he was going to say it's still nice to go outside and well, to, it's, despite it being the same. Even it changes is what I was going to oh, say. Okay. So you even have seasonal changes. Oh, so you could okay. travel the same path four different times a year and it will look different all the time. Oh, and, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's way different. Yeah. So I don't want to do anything, so stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I can only absorb this same thing for so long before i'm like it's i don't need to watch that much of the simpsons or something uh, like yeah it's yeah. cool i mean you showed me the first everything that i need to watch about like family guys probably in the first four seasons or something yeah you're like you've made me read a lot of batman stories guys no but these are, but even this stuff is different authors different artists there's yeah. there's variety to all of this also no, I mean, I think that the point you had, now that we're talking about Family Guy, that's the whole focus of this, <laughs> as I literally just criticized it for, like, running out of steam or being played out, mm-hmm. I can still tune in and laugh. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I'm, like, I'm not going, like, Sunday night, can't wait to watch the new Family <laughs> yeah, Guy. Actively yeah. staying yeah. up. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> All right, so back to the story. We get another Ivy having to clean up the whole fucking apartment gag where Joker sends a, te- oh, Urkel. <laughs> oh, you. a telegram. Did I do that? Yeah. Uh, a singing telegram and explodes she is like all right fuck this i'm ending this dumb shit he's not my nemesis i'm just gonna fucking kill him and ivy's like well you can't kill him it'll validate all the headlines that you know he was your nemesis and king shark mostly off screen actually interjects also you would be a child killer which some may argue is worse (laughs) and even just Pausing that to write my note, quoting it, I was laughing so hard. I think at the end of the, maybe it's the second episode and Joker also sends somebody to blow up. They both kind of conclude like, oh yeah, this guy's, he's messed up. You really got to get some space you, from this guy and stuff. You didn't like that, right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> no. yeah, Harley's like, no, no, no. That didn't gross. do anything for me. I mean, yeah, there is something remotely attractive about Stop a man who sends it. another man to explode in front of you. But yeah, no, we're totally done. <laughs> That's true. Uh, King Shark has to climb into a giant shark tank because they have this idea that, okay, we're going to hang Robin from above the shark tank, scare the shit out of him so he'll fucking back down from this marketing crusade to Mm -hmm. fucking team them up. I'm not going to use the word ship because I'm not 12. (laughs) Um, Clayface's impression of shark he because he's like i don't want to do that i'm a man you know like and clayface is transforming into him then he's like now that is offensive on many levels (laughs) (laughs) decides to just go in anyway it was earlier in there but it's like that's both racist and xenophobic Xena, the woman with the sword as big as her body? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Landlord. (laughs) And then Tani, the talk show host, comes out, as well as her audience. And uh, Robin is hanging there all scared. And they stamp a big, not the nemesis, you know, like a fucking Maury Povich. Mm -hmm. Not the father. Robin's hanging upside down long enough that he gets a nosebleed. And one drop goes into the water. And I mentioned on a past episode, I think when we did the Suicide Squad, I was like, yeah, there's a funny thing on this show when 
King Shark does get exposed to blood and uh, then genuinely tries to eat him. If you guys want to talk about nature more. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was at the coffee shop today and I was standing outside looking at the trees and I'm like, man, when you stop and you look at trees, I understand it. Amber and I recently hiked a portion of Mount Rainier and I was taken aback by its wonder. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Joker shows up on the show to reclaim his nemesis by kidnapping Robin, you know, giving um, Batman some some real stakes, okay? I'm not fucking around. And it's really just a crazy fucking shit show. Ivy saves Harley. Batman is there fighting the two of them and her vines and all this shit while Joker shows up and grabs the kid. Just the way this show handles the wide cast of characters is so impressive to me because that was a huge set piece. Well, that felt like a nice payoff to maybe in the first episode or maybe it was the henchman episode where I was like, I don't really want to be in your crew. I kind of already Mm -hmm. have my thing. It's like plants and gymnastics is yours. That's what you're going to add to it. (laughs) And then in this fight, it's like plants and gymnastics together to fight back. Yes, yes. Actually, we just talked about White Knight earlier today. Last week, you mean, when two weeks Jack, ago. Yeah, exactly. When Jack and Harley are first put face-to-face in an action sequence, this happens with Ivy and Harley as well, where like they both kind of get knocked down, one on top of each other, and they have a moment. And then like, okay, mm. that didn't happen, you know. And they spend a lot of the show denying that. <laughs> when they go back to her apartment, because, again, Batman runs off trying to save Robin from Joker... They're finally cleaning everything up, getting it nice how she had it in the very first scene again. And Sai shows up, final eviction notice, no pets, you got this fucking shark, (laughs) you know. And that's where we leave off. I originally was just going to have us do like a couple episodes from this series. And I was trying to think of like what would be the funniest ones, what would be really cool to talk about. And I was like, well, fuck, just the introductions to all these characters set up this world so well you know i was like well let's just do the first two and then i was like well the first two we don't even meet the crew mm-hmm. yet and so i i figured if we could drag it out just for the first four that's a pretty good length it's about the length of like an animated feature yeah and, i prefer it like this anyway so like being tossed right into it and especially the way that they present it to you is you're like Psh, you're right in it mm-hmm. here's the world this is our take on it and also i want to see some of the formation of like at least baby steps towards kind of a story or something. Yeah, Yeah. you know, so I'm glad that we took on what we did. I forgot there's actually a a brief epilogue here right before the credits in the Batcave where (laughs) Robin is sulking and Batman comes in with like a little sandwich with an R on it in a circle. I made it for you. And he's (laughs) like, hey, yeah, I made this. He goes, you didn't make it, Alfred did. And he's like, I made it, made it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I did forget to say that I really liked the whole part with Lois as like the hostage. Oh yeah, and then later they're watching the Tawny show on TV. At the sushi restaurant. uh, Yeah, yeah. 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 They make a joke about like, oh yeah, still going out for dinner tonight? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, then we see them like watching the whole shit show on TV. Yeah, I I just love how like nonchalant and like casual all their stuff is and how confident she is that Clark is like, I'm not worried at all. Like yeah, we went through worse than this. Yeah. 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 Like whatever. And also I just love uh, the way that we've talked about Superman versus Batman and Superman's like endless positivity and stuff. Yeah. But I like that this, he doesn't look dumb. He seems like he could be like 
a bleach blonde surfer boy or something like he's <laughs> so, and careless yeah and, yeah uh, he's uninterested yeah he's like so he's so carefree and he seems like happy-go-lucky and a little naive and innocent kind of i've got this under control like yeah. if i see things getting out of hand sure Maybe if we'll a god comes in and yeah, yeah. Like, like all the yeah all the I'm faith in his this. own abilities like yeah nah. <laughs> a lot of confidence yeah exactly like why would you ever be stressed like yeah. it, anything that comes my way, more or less, I can handle this stuff. I see no reason to be concerned or definitely like, not Batman's yeah. B and C tier villains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he may as well be like Jimmy Buffett or something, and and randomly throw on a cape and save the day. Like, It'd be like if fucking Aziz Ansari is starting a fight with John Cena, he'd just be like, just get out of here, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> Fuck around. Yeah. Uh, no Easter eggs. No, I didn't. Okay. Aside from the little shop of horrors plant that may appear somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The pyramid of cash in the beginning, obviously, that's very long Halloween and Dark Knight. (laughs) She makes a bread pudding for Joker, which he shoots with a gun because he's like, raisins? I fucking hate raisins, (laughs) you know? And she's like, they were chocolate chips. But she's wearing the like red lingerie from Mad Love and that whole thing. It's just a nod to their origin story. He also, in one of those scenes when they're arguing and she's trying to break up with him, he's kind of explaining himself. He's like, I'm an agent of chaos. You know, <laughs> yes. quotes Heath Ledger. Uh-huh. The Stabs the man with a pool stick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Random thing to prove my point. Oh, and a pool cue. That oh, was a weapon yeah. In that movie. I'm smart. The Batmobile is very Zack Snyder. The art direction, this is stuff I looked up because I... You know, Bruce Timm gets a lot of credit for the animated series and designing all those characters. That's why I started looking up the creators. I'm like, who fucking designed these? Because I love the look of this show. and This one specifically? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, I want character sketches from this show. Like, who makes these, uh-huh. you know? I was pausing the credits at the very end. And, like, the art direction is by Bill Ray, who's a veteran comics artist who is actually one of the quote-unquote other tales when we read Batman Ego. Mm-hmm. There's a story that they did together in there. And then the character design itself. So like on Batman the Animated Series, Bruce Timm did all the character designs. And I believe it was Eric Radomski did all the, the painted backgrounds and that whole cityscape stuff mm-hmm. and the vibe. And so Bill Ray did the look of the show, but the characters were designed by Shane Glines who drew the cover to the Gotham Girls book that I also have. So hmm. I thought that was cool when I was like, man, who makes this? I love the art. Oh, two people I actually have in my collection, even just a little bit. Yeah, shout out to Shane Glines because I love every one of these characters, the way that they look. I think it's both true to them and really fresh and just kind of fits the fun vibe of the show. One of my favorites is actually the Joker. He looks really classic to me. It gives me, like, for the same reason, Super Friends and then Batman Brave and the Bold vibes, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, very simple and very solid lines. But one of my favorite things about him is that his hair on the side, they're, like, implying that he has, like, a fade haircut. Yeah, his fade is very much Capullo, which we haven't got to yet. Yeah, with the... the Yeah, yeah, with the... Yeah. Yeah. And I just love how they do it in this with, like... They don't draw the hairs. It has like a color gradient so that it goes from like skin tone into like lighter green, lighter green until you get to the top. They don't Mm. draw in the hairs. They give it like a front outline kind of. And then everything under that, like around the ears and down the neckline is just 
a kind green of a fade to white. Yeah, it's just a green color gradient, and I've never seen anything like that. It's like very original and very cool to me. Yeah, they do like because we've talked about before. You have to simplify your character design and animation. Yep. To make those action sequences move around really well. Yeah, it takes too long already. You have yeah. to draw all of it. And this is such a great marriage of those things. The action is great. It's smooth. It's big. It's funny. I never feel like the characters are dumbed down or anything like that. I mean, I, th- I think it's still very detailed and not to say like realistic because they're cartoons, but I mean, mm-hmm. they're well-rounded. You know? mm-hmm. Okay, that's the end of my Easter eggs. Pros. The biggest one I want to say, other than the show just being very funny, I like Kaylee Cuoco, the voice she's doing. Because she's not, fantastic. Yeah. And she's not aping anybody. She's original. Not doing, yeah, that works really well. I'm like blown away by not only are these like sounds that I cannot achieve, but the rapidness in which she can like pitch up and come back down. Like, yeah, it's so crazy to me, even just listening to her delivery. And Tara Strong does that a lot, but she goes wild with the peaks and valleys in Mm -hmm. terms of like her low to high range. Kaylee's just got this fucking sweet spot. That's the anger the vulnerability. I mean, she's a great actor. We know this, but there's something about her feeling the freedom of going off in the vocal booth and not Mm -hmm. having to fucking be on a stage and do whatever. Like, I don't know. I just really feel the energy in her performances. And it's the first time anyone has done Harley without the accent. All respect to Arlene Sorkin. She paved the way, but everyone has tried to imitate her since and it's kind of neat that she doesn't. There's a couple, like this Mr. J and a couple little mm-hmm. things she does here Probably and there. Probably pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are like, mm, that was weird. But there are people like Michael Keaton played a guy in Spotlight. who was like, it's weird how he keeps going in and out of his accent. But he's a real dude. And I looked him up. He fucking talks like that. And Michael Keaton talked about how he had to learn which words this guy applies his accent to and which ones he doesn't you know and so i just found this a very real world version of the voice i don't know for everything else that's crazy and exaggerated this is the least exaggerated part and that's what makes it human yeah i just had a really good time there's been a couple times that we've done stuff where i genuinely feel like Thank you, podcast, for existing so that I came into contact with this stuff. I just watch so few things that my priority list is totally different. Like, if I'm only going to watch a couple of things, then i got to make them real good or Mm -hmm. something. Um, You pick the safer bet based on your tastes. Yeah, we're just like, man, I've been... me re-watching all the shit on the DC tab on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, I think I'll just do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful for ingesting all this stuff, but also there's a couple times where I've just felt like, yes, like we discovered an artist that I ended up really liking or something, but that's how I feel about this. Like I'll spend enough time away from funny stuff. Yeah. Laughter is very needed in life. I think it like, it really, it really helps me. And I think it really like go outside. I always like laugh. Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry guys. (laughs) You're so positive. Jeez. Well, no, all I'm, all I'm saying is I recognize how good it is, but that still requires me to like, so if, if you watching something- You go a long time not laughing. You're like, I'm not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, no. <laughs> because I watch things so infrequently. He's edging humor. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. For, <laughs> a, for, a big, for a big payoff. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> then I throw on some Gallagher and I Copyright just... Copyright uh, that idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Just watermelon seed all over the living room. I want to do a stand-up special that's 55 minutes of setup. Yeah. Amazing punchline, yes. Yeah. Sorry. It's very necessary and I don't watch funny stuff often enough because like nothing really gets me laughing like that. I mean, that's what it's engineered for. You know, it's like it's crafted to make me giggle. Totally okay with that, even if I am being manipulated. Person and you're not on board. <laughs> There's just well, I mean, this I'm going to jump to my rating. It's like when you're I'm watching a movie everything. and you're like, I will not cry at this. No, <laughs> you stupid hyenas. I don't care if you die. Um, well, my rating is lower. I won't say it. I'll leave that. <laughs> my rating is lower than it should well, be. Well, can we just say there's no cons, right? No, not really. But it's yeah, there's no cons. Let's go to rating. It's a three and a half. Fuck. And, and a three and a half is more positive than negative, and I enjoyed it, but it's like, maybe it's just because it wasn't what I was looking for in that moment, because it's like that when I'm picking something to watch. I mean, like, lately, I just keep watching New Girl. I'm just rewatching that's that. And that's, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that is what yeah, I'm trying to Yeah, funny stuff is good, guys. Funny, funny. But a lot of times when I'm thinking of what to watch, I'm like, I kind of want to rewatch Chernobyl, and then, oh, the second season of The Nick is out, and that's miserable and depressing, and I think I want to get into that, and, like, that's, that's what I'm weighing. It's like, that's the thing I should be watching. That's, like, the real significant thing that'll yeah. do something, and so that makes me judge a comedy, not harsher, but just, like... You're in the mood for something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why comedies don't win Academy Awards, because they're like, this isn't nearly as needed as a, yeah. a drama about a mentally handicapped person with cancer. That's a hell of a combo, by the way. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, Sorry yeah. Sam, that person. <laughs> Man, but Sorry. There's a reason that you get a lot of great comedic actors crossing over and making brilliant dramatic performances, and yet you don't get a ton of great drama actors going to comedy because it's fucking hard. Yeah, the reason why comedic actors are such great dramatic actors is because they are masters of timing and they're and sad people <laughs> they're sad people <laughs> but they're masters of timing and they're masters of like the appropriate response to a thing where like yeah. a dramatic actor is just like I can pretend to be sad I'm in the scene yeah I'm and they're feeling still good all but the feelings. Yeah, as, as you say they don't go the other way and yeah. comedic actors are like I'm desperate for attention and recognition <laughs> so I'm going to do the movie about whatever yeah what was it the uh, cancer <laughs> the guy, handicapped kids yeah, with yeah, cancer, yeah. It's a lot, yeah. And they yeah. crash. They're in a bus and it crashes somewhere. And it's about the mother of one of them coming to terms with that. Jesus Christ. My God. Starring Susan Sarandon. Set in the 1800s. Lots of buses in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a pedal bus. <laughs> it's a covered wagon crash. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> Ev, what's your rating on the show? Mm, four. Okay. I will watch more. Yeah, yeah, b- yeah. yeah, for sure. Wanna watch I want to talk about it again, though. I feel like this is a great intro. If someone hasn't seen it and you hearing us talk about, hearing us describe four episodes, <laughs> <laughs> go watch more. Don't listen to us do it again for this show. Yeah, that's an easy five for me. This is exactly what I want to see. Can't wait for season three. I hope this show has a long life. Yeah. Go outside. Wiggle your legs. Breathe some, laugh, breathe some, laugh yeah, breathe some fresh air. Live, laugh, love. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you sticking through to the end. Again, it's one of my very favorite shows. If you want to support our show, you can go to patreon.com slash batfanaddict or simply click the link in our bio. 
Another way you can support for free, doesn't cost you anything at all, is just help us spread the word, take a screenshot, post that in a story, and uh, let people know that we're out here. Uh, you can also give us, if you've got an iPhone, the five-star rating and review. Just drop a couple lines of what you like about the show on your podcast app. Now, we will be returning with more Harley Quinn. If you follow me, that's going to be no surprise to you at all. But we are going to go into what is sort of the year one for Harley nowadays, the DC Black Label title, Harleen. <laughs> 